Jesus is Messiah, Lord of all. Amen, and thank you, praise team, for leading us in music. As we continue to go through the book of Ruth, I invite you to open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2, verses 14 through 23. This is the second half of Ruth chapter 2, and in some ways, as far as the, the plot of the story goes, Ruth 2, the second half, um, doesn't add as much to the plot as maybe the first half of Ruth that we were in last week does. It's a continuation. It's a building point. And one of the things that's building that we might pick up on um, is that this growing love story between Ruth and Boaz will continue to pick up some momentum in the second half of Ruth chapter 2. There's some new language introduced as well. But one thing, if you weren't here with us last week, um, what we covered was that a certain Old Testament reading in general covers this formula. We start by observing the law, and observing the law will lead us to wisdom. Practicing wisdom will lead us to kindness. And so if we follow that progression of observing the law, finding wisdom, and then practicing wisdom in a way that leads us to kindness, in all of this, we find Ruth as a a quintessential example of that progression And so you'll hear some repeats from last week that that Boaz will once again be blessed in the name of the Lord and that it will be evident that Boaz is someone who follows the law of the Lord quite closely and he practices a type of wisdom that makes him very kind. And so we'll pick up at Ruth chapter 2, verse 14. But before we do so, let us pray for God's blessing upon the word to open our hearts and minds to what the Holy Spirit may speak to us today through the word. Let's pray. God, may your kingdom be our first and primary concern that all of these other things may be added unto us. Speak to us your truth, O God, in such a way that we can understand your law not as legalists, not as Pharisees, but that we may understand your law and the kindness within it that leads us to wisdom. May we understand the type of wisdom that our heroes in Scripture practiced that led them to kindness. And may we see in this world of Scripture the world that you envision for all of us to live in. And so, God, open our hearts Open our hearts now to whatever it is that you want to lead us as we rest in your promises and as we come before you, knowing that your mercies are new every morning and they are the same throughout all time. By your Holy Spirit, bless our reading of your word today. Amen. Ruth chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. 
Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. An old classic, I don't know if it's old, but I do think it's classic, movie, Back to the Future. Anyone by show of hands familiar with the movie? Oh, good. Most of us. I I think it's fair to call it a classic. Well, if you're not familiar, Back to the Future involves a young man named Marty McFly who gets pulled into an adventure of traveling through time, And, and he's actually in a time when his mother is his own age, that he is in the future, and the whole thing is about him getting back to the future. We're not going to go into all the plot devices and potential critiques of how time travel just wouldn't work that way, but rather focus in on one simple scene of perspective. Marty McFly is in the past, and he's sitting down with his, with his mother and grandparents' family when they are much younger, and they're watching TV at the dinner table. And there's a TV show that is on, and and Marty knows it because he's from the future. And he points to the TV set and says, oh, I've seen this one. This is a classic. And everyone at the dinner table looks at him strangely, and one of his eventually uncles, a young boy at the table, says, how can you have seen this before? It's brand new. Marty hesitates and starts to explain, I saw it in a rerun, but those don't even exist yet, and he just stops. There's two perspectives on that episode of something that they're watching on TV. I've seen this before. This is a classic. You can't have seen this before. This is brand new. There's no way you could have seen it before. Both are very true, and they depend upon the perspective of time. Is it brand new or is it a classic? As we read the book of Ruth, we come across some things that are brand new to the story, new things that are happening between Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. It's all new to them in their experience. But what is timeless and classic is the ways in which God is moving throughout history, throughout scripture, throughout our world today. And these things are classic. 
They are repeated. They are reruns that we long to watch again and again and again. Because what's timeless is that our God is a God of redemption. That God longs to redeem, to make heaven and earth new again. And the same things, if we are careful readers of Scripture, will come up again and again. And they are both brand new when they happen, and they're classic. They're the same things happening again. When we read the Old and New Testament together, we find these themes emerging of God continuing to be up to the same moves of redemption. And yet, they're both new and eventually led to perfection. We believe there's brand new and classic. And then what Jesus does is brings all of these moves of redemption to their end goal of being perfect. But consider just the words that we hear in in this second half of Ruth chapter 2 this morning and, and the things that might just echo to another place of Scripture where we might read it and say, this sounds like something else that we know. In verse 14 already, Boaz says to Ruth, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. Have we ever seen a scene like this before? At a generic level, this is just an invitation to join in a meal, an invitation to sit close and to receive hospitality. This is just like what Abraham did when he was visited by those three visitors He was visited by God in Genesis 18, and he invited them to come and to share a meal with him. It's brand new to Ruth, but this is a classic move. This is when God is at work. There is an invitation to come and sit together at a meal. Flash forward to Jesus sitting down with his disciples. And what do they do? They take bread. And they dip it in the wine together, sharing a meal. And we see that scene and we can say, this is classic. We've seen this before. And also, it's brand new. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. Even what Jesus is doing in celebrating Passover with his disciples is a classic, tried and true, repeated celebration of the Exodus. And it's brand new when Jesus brings new meaning to it. And here we have Boaz doing redemptive work, bringing Ruth, who is a vulnerable foreigner, into the hospitality and welcome of Boaz, a powerful and wealthy citizen. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. These words are special. And when we see these echoes of repetition, it it, it brings within us this reminder that, that God, as we like to say, God is still in control. We see these classic and new forms of redemption over and over again. And maybe it strikes us a little bit differently too, a little bit deeper when we realize that some things go wrong. Do you remember in the New Testament who it was that dipped the bread in the bowl with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 20 through 25, we have this same telling of both classic and brand new moment of people sharing a meal together with bread and wine. Starting at verse 20, 
When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, one of the twelve who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. Revisiting that scene with, with Judas and Jesus makes it all the more painful for us to, to see and read and imagine the betrayal of Jesus. Because if you, were a faithful, if you were a faithful Jew growing up in that day, you would know the story of Ruth, and you would know that this is a story of love and redemption. This is an invitation that Boaz says, Ruth, come near to me. Come and share this meal with me. Ruth was sitting in a place of receiving love and care. And here is Judas sitting so close to Jesus that they can share the same bowl when they're celebrating the Passover meal together. Judas sitting in that seat, sitting essentially what what anyone familiar with the Old Testament reading in Jesus' day would say is sitting in the seat of Ruth, a seat of redemption. And it is in that moment that he is turning away. That moment with Judas has more depth when we read it that it is a brand new movement. And it's also a classic scene with an unfortunate and horrible twist to it. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. But then we see other ways in which this text reminds us of things that have happened before and will happen again in Scripture. Continuing a little bit further in verse 14, We're told that Ruth ate all that she wanted and had some left over. If you remember last fall to our Back to the Basics series, we we talked about the manna provided for the people in the wilderness. When the Israelites had nothing to eat, when they were hungry, when they were in need, God provided. And God provided so that they would have enough. Ruth ate all she wanted and had some left over. The people in the wilderness had the manna to feed them. And then on the Sabbath, they had some left over the day before. This is a classic move of God's to provide for those in need. And it's brand new in the book of Ruth. And this classic and brand new move will happen again in the day of Jesus. When Jesus will feed the 5,000 and they will eat all all that they can have. They will eat their fill and then there will be some left over. Jesus takes these classic moves and he makes them new again and brings them to perfection. There is a repetition in Scripture of the same beautiful things happening over and over again. And friends, if we go beyond the Gospels into the book of Acts and into the early church, we find that God will continue to be at work. God will continue to redeem. God will continue to use people to provide in God's ways. And as people who 
believe as people who celebrate the Apostles' Creed today and what we share in common, it should also signal to us that this redemptive work does not just stay in the Scripture. It doesn't just sit there, but it should live in us. That we pick up on the ways in which God is at work. That we pick up on God's redemptive work and join in it. In the classic, good old, tried and true ways and in ways that will seem brand new for the first time ever. But there's something that we need to notice that does change in this chapter of Ruth. Something that is good and also is hopefully pointing us forward a little way. In verse 19, Naomi is blown away. She is amazed at just how much food Ruth has come home with. An an ephah, we're told, is the amount, which would be like 30 pounds. So she went out just to get enough, hopefully to get them through for a little bit longer, just to keep them going. And she comes home almost overloaded with the amount that she was able to glean. And Naomi is amazed. And she wants to know, where, where, where did you glean today? Where did you work? And she says, blessed be the man who took notice of you. She knows that Ruth has had more than just good luck gleaning, but that someone has blessed her. Someone has given her loving attention. Blessed be the man who took notice of you. In this case, it's Boaz. Boaz being faithful to God's law. Don't we also see the same plea to take notice in 1 Samuel, the very next book after Ruth, where Hannah is longing for a child, and her prayer is that God may, may quite literally notice her. Notice my prayers. Hear me. All of our prayers are an ask for God to notice where we are, to notice our trouble and bring us deliverance to notice our joy, and to receive our celebration. But that happens in a kind of one-on-one way. Naomi rejoices that someone has noticed Ruth, and it's the prelude to somewhat of a love story between the two. But what we also maybe find an echo of is that we long for a Redeemer, Not just a guardian redeemer or kinsman redeemer, depending on your translation, in verse 20. But this tried and true part of the law that Naomi notes that that Boaz is one of their guardian redeemers or kinsman redeemers. It is one of those people that took notice. Now, there's plenty of explanation of what a guardian or kinsman redeemer is in Leviticus 25. It's a whole explanation of how those who were fortunate were to assist and come alongside of those who were less fortunate. This is a normal thing. But once again, Boaz is observing the law with wisdom that is making him show kindness to Ruth. But Ruth is pretty lucky in this case. She has a kinsman redeemer, a guardian redeemer, because she married into this family. She has access to Boaz because she married into the right clan. And where this is a story of redemption, this is a story of God's laws working out the way they're meant to, it also leaves us wishing for something more. 
What if there was a redeemer? What if there was a redeemer that you didn't have to have been married into the right family to have access to redemption? What if there was a redeemer that that went beyond just your blood relatives and who your family was or who your parents were? What if there was a redeemer that was not specific to one kinship or family, but was for all people? Jesus is that redeemer, fulfilling all of the law and the prophets, fulfilling this role of being not just a guardian redeemer for those who would be related to Jesus by blood, like Mary and Joseph and their family, but would be a redeemer for all people. It is a classic move, and it's brand new. It is classic to see redemption, but Jesus is going to bring this to perfection. We see Boaz living out the law, in one of the few instances where it's so specific that we say it's almost brand new, but it's just a classic living of the law from Leviticus 25. And it might leave us longing for more redemption. We're familiar with Ruth and Naomi's story of loss, and we celebrate as we read this turning of the tide that good things are happening to them after their life started with such hardship. And it may leave us longing, what if that redemption was open to all people? What if that redemption and guardianship was for every living person on earth? It points us towards Jesus, towards a perfection of that which is classic, and that we need a brand new and perfect version of it. This story just reinforces this same reading that the law leads us to wisdom, which leads us to kindness. But it echoes forward of the greatest redemption that we could long for. And Naomi notes that, that, that Boaz has continued showing kindness to the living and to the dead, meaning Boaz might be able to wiggle his way out of this one. He might be able to shirk off his responsibility as kinsman redeemer. But because of Elimelech and Melian and Kilion, he will continue. He will continue to show kindness to Ruth and Naomi who are living and to the dead. In the song that we sang, reflecting us back to the Apostles' Creed, do we hear that perfection of the one who is our Redeemer, who will come to judge the living and the dead? It is Jesus And we see Boaz, classically and in brand new ways, laying the footwork and foundations for who we will understand Jesus to be. That the early disciples in interacting with Jesus would know, this is our Redeemer. And for all of the church throughout Acts to this very present day, to live and act in such a way with law and wisdom and kindness to point back to our Redeemer, to say this is the one who is our Redeemer. Friends, what do we do with this today other than hopefully continue to read Scripture carefully, to notice the ways in which God is at work, but then to ask ourselves, 
in the scene of any part of our life, what story of redemption are we writing into it in the same way that the artist of this piece wrote the book of Ruth into this scene? What scene of redemption are you living right now? What do you want to write into it? We need redemption. We need peace and forgiveness. We need all of these things. And how do we do it? Well, we turn to Scripture. We see the ways in which God was working then, how God continues to work, and we ask, God, how can I keep that going? And it doesn't always have to be a new idea. We can rely on the classics. And also, it can feel pretty innovative and brand new when we do it in a new context. We all miss certain things. For instance, heard earlier this morning in the narthex, you know, just about missing all-you-can-eat buffets. There's something to be said for that. But maybe don't we also miss potlucks and fellowship? I know in looking ahead on different dates, one of the things I really miss is when we celebrate communion by intinction. I mean, it's no surprise that the little wafers are like just not that good. It is a reminder that communion is for us, but not about us. It is about God. But don't you long for the time when we can celebrate with intention again, that we can partake of that together in the ways that we're used to. And in many ways, it's the classic, same old way. We've seen this one before. We've done this before. And won't it also feel almost brand new? to do the very classic things that we're used to. And there's a clue in the book of Ruth that I hold on to because I do long to celebrate communion in the way that we're used to. Not that we're celebrating communion today, so if you're wondering, wait, I didn't grab my cup on the way in. Nope. We'll celebrate communion again in February at the beginning of the season of Lent. But there is a longing on Boaz's half to have Ruth at his table to have everyone gathered together. I long for that. When right now we worship in a few different ways, at different times and in different settings, but our longing to be back together again at the same table is something worth holding out for and having hope for. That we as one body celebrate Celebrate together. And it might take time, just as it took quite some time for Ruth to find her way from her homeland of Moab into the fields of Boaz. But it's a celebration of redemption. And with even just one person missing, it's not the same. This is what Jesus taught us in the parable of the hundred sheep or the lost coin. With just one missing, it's not quite the same. We long for redemption in our spirits. If we're paying attention to anything that's wrong in the world, we should long for redemption. And let's long for it together. Setting out this week, where might you find a little bit of God's redemptive work to weave into your life? 
It might be through forgiveness. It might be through kindness. It might be simply for remembering those who, I wonder who feels forgotten or lost. It might be through our continued work here at North Holland to provide food for those who are in need or who are hungry. How do we continue those classic and tried and true ways and also observe them in brand new ways? That we celebrate redemption. That we partake in redemption together. All of our longing is met when we bring it to Jesus, the one who is our Redeemer, not just of one family, not just of one church, but of all of us gathered to the ends of the earth. Ruth 2 ends with kind of a plateau that things are finally good again. Ruth stays close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lives with her mother-in-law. Things are finally okay again. And yet, if you know how the story continues, they're going to get better. But Ruth is safe. Ruth is safe in a way that she hasn't been safe for a while. And that's what Naomi speaks to her most clearly in verse 22. It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, for Boaz, because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. Ruth is safe. She is protected. She is provided for. And we see this redemption being played out. There are all kinds of applications that we could follow with it. But to know that can we at least be provided for? Can we at least see redemption in the scriptures echoed time and again? And may we also share and celebrate that with the world. Can we help people be safe, be provided for, be cared for in the classic ways and in ways that will be brand new to anyone receiving such a gift of fellowship, of safety, of communion, and of goodness. Friends, be people of redemption, both now and forever. Amen.